Are we recording? Ba da ba ba da ba 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 ba. No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. And I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Pew 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 pew. Pew pew. This movie's fun. <laughs> it's just a good time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I had it on, and I was just like remembering so much of the joy that it brings, and it was just needed. Like this was this was a good movie to watch for this week. It is Scott Pilgrim currently uh, streaming on Netflix, um, which is good for anybody who wants to watch it. Which is you know good times there. Um, yeah, there you go. Kylie, um, what was your first experience with Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? In theater. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mine also, though I did see it, um, I saw it on a IMAX screen, but it was not an IMAX, like, 3D IMAX showing, so it was the like edges of the film were like you could see the black stripes because they were like we want to show it nice and big but we don't have the print and I was like okay that's weird but all right but it was still fun I, I definitely I think it's supposed to be twice in theaters so <laughs> <laughs> um well I was a tenth grader so I probably only saw it once what is this 2010? Is that what this is? Yeah, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. It's the 10 year yeah. anniversary. Oh, there we go. I had <laughs> had not put that together. That's the only reason why it made my list. Is it? Oh, yeah. Well, there we go. I had not even put together that it was a 10. Man, 2010 things are 10 years old. That's that's crazy. Is it? You I haven't mean, felt every. Every second of this 10-year existence, it um, hasn't weighed on your brain, slowly tapping on the very sanity of your soul? The last four certainly felt like that. I think maybe more so what that realization is for me almost always is that like 10 years not actually that long, like a long period of time. Like, sure, a lot of things could happen in 10 years, but really at the end of the day, it just feels like it just goes by. Like, it just feels like it's gone. That's because that's because our live span is a log, logarithmic function and not a linear function. So every year that you live, you're adding on a smaller portion of your life. And so it starts to feel shorter and shorter when you look at the great spans of things. Because when you're nine and you're going to 10, well, that's a 10th of your life. And now it's just like a 30th of your life. (laughs) Yep, it certainly is. So it's a smaller and smaller piece. That's fair. Oh, I watched the Harry Potter movies while I was working. I did not move on to the Fantastic Beast movies, however. I just like decided I didn't need those. I think you need to. Well, I was I was tempted I was tempted to watch 
uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. However, I realized then that my complete my completest in me would have to also sit through Crimes of Grindelwald. And I was like, I just, maybe if I just, just draw the line at Harry Potter, I'll be good. <laughs> you gotta complete it, Josh. I've continued right. working on watching your film collection. Okay. Yeah. Um, I watched Patch Adams. Oh, okay. All right. That's a movie. It is. It is a movie. It does have Robin Williams in it. Let's see. What else did I do? I've seen Mad Max 2. Okay. uh, That's a good one. I like that one. Uncut Gems. Uh Uh-huh. You've seen that one before. Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but it doesn't count unless I watched it in quarantine. Oh, fair. Very fair. Okay. And then uh, Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, nice. Probably your best film that you own. Greatest oh, film that... ever made. Greatest film ever made. Or, well, why aren't we doing the Kramer versus Kramer episode? I love Kramer versus Kramer. All right. Listen, listeners, next week we might be doing the Kramer versus Kramer episode. That's the only film, good film of Robert Benton. What other films does Robert Benton have? Exactly. Okay, great. He was the, he made one, he won Best Picture, he was done. I think he probably won Best Director, too. That might be true. Well, I and I don't know if Kramer versus Kramer is the best or the most or the more most influential film of that year because it's uh, against something it's against Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Apocalypse Now gets that much love. Yep. I think it's he won best director. Mm-hmm. And then uh Dustin Hoffman won best actor. Meryl Streep won best supporting actress. Oh. Uh, best So close. Best adapted spring sp- screenplay. So close to winning the big five. Why was she supporting? Because she she is a supporting actress in that. Yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah. She is not in... There, There's a good chunk of it where she's not in it, and then she comes right. back towards, like, probably, like, the halfway point, and then you don't really get her story as much. You mostly just get everything from Dustin Hoffman's perspective. So I, I agree that yes. she's a supporting actress. Yeah, but it could have won the big five. Category fraud. It's okay. It happens a lot. Could it have could it have beat Sally Field? For which Norma Ray or for Norma um, Ray? Norma Ray. Whew, that's a good question. I would imagine that if they liked it enough, they probably would have, but I mean all right, we, then Sally gets hers. We really like Sally. We, yeah. But we wouldn't know that until her second win. If we put Meryl in the lead. Exactly. Because who they really like is Meryl. <laughs> do they Do they at this point? Three. Like, and one of them is for the Iron Lady. So? They, they must. That, I'm just saying that if they'll give her one for that, they must really like her. her oh, man. Her other one's for Sophie's Choice. 
It's Sophie's Choice, The Iron Lady, and I'm pretty sure Out of Africa. No, it's Kramer versus... Wait, does she have four? Oh, it's Kramer. We just said it. No, sorry. We just said it. It's Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. So let's start this. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Scott Pilgrim. He's fighting the world. No, he's not. Well, that's what the title would have me believe. No, he's just a baby, and he just complains. He overcomplains. <laughs> um, Scott Pilgrim, worst, the worst. I'm pretty sure he's the worst. Uh, um, yeah. So. I love this movie, and it's not because, like, I'm like, I want to hang out with that Scott Pilgrim guy. Nope, because he's not fun to hang out with. Um, neither is this version of Ramona, either. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm on board with either of these two romantic leads. Well, Ramona is not given much time to define herself, because, like, she's supposedly in this time where she's supposed to be... Um, she's like trying to be a different person and trying to figure out who she is. So we, as the mm-hmm. audience don't have much time to figure out who she is. Cause it doesn't seem like she understands who she is. And she often has lines of like, Oh, I'm just trying to live in the moment. I'm trying to just figure out the next, like the next step. And so it kind of, with the way that this film is set up with like all the stuff with Gideon, it makes sense that she's kind of like, a little bit more like, oh, I need to, I want to be a different person. I want to be a better person. Right. But the film doesn't spend much time developing that. And we don't actually ever get no. to see Ramona before all of this. No, I think that, yeah, I agree with that a lot. I think Ramona is one of the more underdeveloped characters in the screenplay of this, of this as well. And, and that's because the film is told so much from Scott's point of view that we really don't we really don't get a look at any of the other characters as in depth as we do Scott himself um even like his friends in the band or knives or his roommate um they all kind of end up just playing kind of one note throughout the film and it's whatever that relates to Scott's um scott's world i think the only one who may get a little bit more depth in terms of at least having an arc is knives and that's only because knives's relationship to scott has to change in order for the arc of this film and the plot of this film to work Mm -hmm. um scott's a pretty self-centered character and so he's the only person that we really get to know on a really in-depth level Yeah, it, everyone is, all of these characters are pretty fun, um, and they're fun because they're cartoonish, and yeah. it's it's fun to watch them all interact. Um, there's also just so many, there's so many people in it uh, that it does never, it feels like we don't get, because we have to fight the seven evil exes. We actually don't get to explore any character very in depth, um, but mm-hmm. for some reason, it's still enjoyable to see them all and watch them all together. 
I, I think that's where, so the, a sentence that I still think is true and that I've said out loud is I think that Scott Pilgrim versus the world is the sing, simultaneously the best video game uh, movie of all time. And it is the movie that feels the most like reading a comic. And where I think that that really stands true in terms of this conversation is um, when you're reading a comic, a lot of times with the subplot character or the side characters or the sidekicks or the, the kind of uh, smaller characters in a single issue or maybe even a single volume, you may not get to know that character all that well. And so you may have to read more and more and more to get to know the side characters as well, because each issue is probably going to focus on a different character at a different time. And so, whereas this movie is adapted from six or seven books, I can't remember the, the actual number of what it is. Um, it feels more like almost like a one, like like one of the books, like a one shot. Like we should come back to this universe and explore who Ramona is, or explore who um, Kieran Culkin's character Wallace is, or you know, kind of however that works. Uh, I think that 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 is a comic side effect, at least a little bit for for me. It's six because they get they spend it's pretty much one volume on each of the X's, and then the twins okay. get the twins share the fifth volume right and so yeah and definitely when you're reading those um and I've, I've not i've not read them but i mean just by simple i understand how books work you can go if we're spending a time uh, an entire book on an evil x we're going to spend more time with that that x that character those people that are important to that story rather than in here like the twins get all of five minutes of screen time because that's all their fight needs mm -hmm. i don't i agree with you though that like i don't think any of that is really a bad thing i think this movie moves at such a good pace and that i enjoy living in the world of this movie so like i could sit here and i could say all of the like yeah sure some of these things are underdeveloped but i think that it's as developed as the film needs it to be for the specific story that it's telling yeah um well it's a it's a pretty simple story um mm -hmm. i so when i think of this film i actually don't think of it as a comic book film or relate it to comic i relate it more to manga which mm -hmm. is the japanese kind of version of a comic book i think that it follows it has a lot of inspiration from that. Um, I think that's very clear. And I think that it does infuse that video game aspect of it. And it just kind of, everything just flows together so easily. And the way that they talk about this cartoon world that they live in so flippantly, like he at one point says that he had to kick someone over the curvature of the earth in order to date the drummer Kim. Mm -hmm. um it, 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 things like that are just said where you're kind of like what but then you're like yeah well of course that makes perfect sense yeah and they don't bother explaining any of this it just is yeah well the way that they explain at least for for me the way they explain a lot of it is through the visual style and the the little calls and callbacks and cues in the not only the filming but the editing 
and you'll you'll see like there's the shot where they transition to the school and you see the school bell kind of bring through there's a lot of onomatopoeia words that are used on screen um and i think that helps build the world without the characters ever having to call it out they just get to they get to live in it and that's how you have to understand this is a heightened comic cartoon world mm-hmm. um and that's actually i mean that's that's one of the things that i love about edgar wright as a director so this is edgar wright's fourth film um it is it's uh it's third. His, sorry it's his only film that's based off of a different property i think yeah yeah it's it's the only one that's based on different properties though i believe and i don't have in front of me um i believe he also adapted the screenplay as well um but it is the only one that he has not originally written and i think that he's by able by doing that i think that there are elements of this film that are less maybe emotional so to speak than his other work Shaun of the dead hot fuzz world's end baby driver um but i think it allowed him to create a really like beautiful technical math like technical film um whereas he kind of was just working with the story that was placed in front of him rather than having to weave some of that stuff in there as well and i think that you could see that in either way that like it's not as emotionally impactful therefore maybe it is not as um not as good but i think that it still works as a story. He's just able to focus on different elements than what he does in his original work films. Mm-hmm. I the elements of I, the elements of the film that I find to be the most fun to just play with. Um, I love the way that he tra- uses transitions in the film. He moves from space to space or scene to scene super seamlessly um and by seamlessly i guess that's just in terms of the narrative a lot of times you can see what he's doing um but one of my favorite transitions in this entire film is like scott goes into a restroom to use the restroom we see him do that and then when he turn washes his hands and he turns around we open the door and we've entered into a completely different space. Um, and it's it's one of those things where he's went from, like, I think it's his house into a hallway, uh, which is into a dream space in his mind. But just that simple transition of we were with Scott in his point of view that entire time and to have everything be moving around him to get into that new space is just one example of several instances in this film where he just he keeps the story flowing and moving and i think that that's what gives it its comic or manga feel because that those when you're reading for me because i've not read a ton of manga but i've read comics and that's that's where i can click into it um it's there's a really smooth transition from panel to panel and this almost really feels like you're moving from panel to panel rather than scene to scene it's like it's this beautiful adaptation in the transition, the transitions of the film. Mm-hmm. Is this still like your number four favorite film? I think it's fallen. Um, I think it's like twelve right now. Um, let me look real fast. Um, not for any other reason than so I did my update this year uh, within the last week or so. 
And um, I think this moved up a tiny, tiny bit because I think it's back near the top 10. It wasn't ever out of the 15. But yeah, it is 12. Yeah, it currently sits as 12. It was four at one point. Um, This film, I I think the only reason why it's fallen out is because um, I've started to try to prioritize like what are things like what are films that I would just want to sit down and watch anytime always and like Scott Pilgrim yeah absolutely is like number 12 um but I think that there are just a little little things here or there that um make it fall a little bit behind Scott sucks Scott sucks Scott sucks is one of them (laughs) um Though this film did, it did move uh, the the big kind of fall this year. There wasn't actually a ton of change this year in Internal terms of Sunshine like. Sunshine also fell. That was the big fall of this year, and what um that was that one fell the most because of I was realizing I was like I love this movie, but like when I'm not watching this movie, I'm not thinking about this movie I'm like so it, that that had a real effect on me because everything else I'm like yeah I'll reference I think of I like they they get the, they I have an emotional connection like beyond just like man I love this movie but like the other ones dug deep inside and Scott Pilgrim I think did that whereas Eternal Sunshine as I was thinking about it I was like man I love this movie when I'm watching this movie but other than that it doesn't hold that like like epic spot in my brain it's just very slow so like that's where i decided like i love eternal sunshine but i think it needs to fall a little bit mm-hmm. yeah how sad how sad indeed but also there's so many good movies it's like it's like clerks all over again clerks is barely here josh Clerks is never going to leave the list. It's okay. It's always just going to be down there. You say that now. To me. Say that now. I I mean it. I they mean all mean a words. lot. They all mean a lot to you, Josh. Yeah, they do. And someday it'll fall. Who knows? It'll be gone forever. Um... Do you have Scott? Scott Pilgrim is in your list as well, too, right? Probably. I was like, I can't remember where it is, but I know that like this is. I was like, I thought I remember being in your list as well. Hmm. Let's see. Too far. Okay, two thousand ten ish. Um, it is 74th. 74, there it is. It's just clawing its way up there. Um, it, no, it fell. It fell a lot. Oh, it fell. Oh, no. It, Scott, why, why did Scott fall for you then this year? I don't know. I feel like every time I watch it, I'm kind of like, oh, man, these people. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. Um... I, yeah, yep. Yeah, I I think that it's a fun time, and it's 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 all very much like when you're watching it. It's it's a lot of fun and great, but it doesn't leave me with anything past that. Um, mm-hmm. The characters are 
the characters are fun and interesting, but overall they don't like make give me a diff a different sense of purpose. They're kind of yeah. just there's no the <laughs> there's just there's just it does i just like it doesn't give me a deeper meaning other than a fun right. time and sometimes a fun time is all you need but like i don't know, it it doesn't it doesn't push me to think further yeah no i'm with you on that i absolutely i i feel that as well um and i think that there's room for both types of movies when you're making like your personal best of or top 100 lists mm -hmm. um, because you need a variety of experiences in your art. And so, yeah, like sometimes there are some movies that are just a good time and they just give you that joy. And Scott is Scott Pilgrim versus the world is also a movie that like it, as you said, has a simple story. And from that simple story, it um it it learns a simple lesson like we've said a couple times throughout this movie scott's not a good human like we're, like i would not want to hang out with scott pilgrim nor would i even want any of my people to hang out with scott pilgrim but by the end of the movie we see there's at least like that little 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 bit of growth where he learns you know not only to love someone else and then he also learns the power of self-respect both you know very done with swords um he learns and he grows and while at the end of the day i wouldn't say that like scott's gonna be like the best person of all time he might be the best version of himself at this moment and i think that's an important growth point to get to especially when you're in your early 20s you know because i think he's i think he's at 22 is what scott pilgrim is supposed to be and like I don't, I don't think anybody has anything in their life figured out at 22, let alone who they want to be. Just be the best version of yourself and call that a day. And I think Scott is that by the end. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I kind of agree and disagree. I think that when he earns his, like, self-respect, that, that somewhat feels like it's like a heck yes moment. But, like, I, the more I think about it, I'm like, why? Because he's... <laughs> Because he's like, I want to fight you for, like, I want to fight you for me. And then he earns self-respect. And I'm like, but why, why do you want to fight him for you? Is it because, like, everyone just always seems to put him down. So now he's finally going to stand up to this person. I guess that's probably why. And that's what I was going to say, yes, is that because of the world that's around him and everybody kind of like puts him down. And he's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for me and who I am as well. And I think it's a. Well, Scott, maybe maybe you should listen to everyone because maybe you kind of suck a little bit. I think the, he has <laughs> maybe a the, little bit. I think the person that that would be the most deservedly against isn't Gideon, but it's against Brie Larson's character. Yeah. Like that would that one would be one that makes more sense of like you've earned this power of self-respect that he can now get over Brie Larson, which he does have way-ish in the movie or wherever that scene takes place yeah um that's where it feels more natural to me rather than Gideon who he doesn't have a connection to other than he's Ramona's ex-boyfriend so I guess that that's that's one of one of the more nitpicky things it's just like I've never really like been on board with the power of self-respect 
two two things on that. One, I think that it is their I think that it's the filmmakers' ways of without saying the cliched words of you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. I think that's where they're trying to go with that. Um, and then I've I've I had a friend who had read these earlier, and so I, some of my like here's what happens in the books kind of thing. From what I remember, from what they were saying, he learns the power of self-respect earlier in the books, and it is to deal with Envy Adams, not to deal with it there. So that's a change for the movie that maybe just doesn't work as well because it doesn't come at the right spot. Wow, look at Kylie Gallisher who understands how <laughs> narrative stories should, in fact, work. Yes. Thank yep. you. There you go. Now I can go get my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you can. Absolutely, you can. Um, there is there is so many of the um, performers in this movie because they're they're all over the place. Like I, this is one of those movies that just like everybody seems to be a person or would be a person of some, you know an, an actor that 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 would eventually go on to do something or has done something um and i i think that they're all really well cast and the performances are really really solid um i think edgar wright knows how to work with actors and knows how to get uh what he needs out of each one i think that weirdly the most interesting casting is Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim because it feels like, and I, I could be a little wrong about this because I, I don't know Michael Sarah's career on the in and out, but it feels like Scott Pilgrim is like the like dark universe or like the bad version of the George Michael character from Arrested Development. And it seems like it's the first time that we're kind of getting this idea that like Michael Sarah secret jerk bag? Like, not so secret jerk bag anymore, because now we all know. But, like, it, it, it feels strange in that way of, like, this is almost the end of the line for Michael Sarah's popularity, because we all kind of figured out maybe he's a little more like Scott Pilgrim than we all thought. Mm-hmm. But good performance. But like, good, I liked him in it. But good Lego Robin. Yes, good Lego Robin. There you go. That's a true story. That's all he needs um, to do with the rest of his life. Just be Lego Robin? Uh-huh. I love it. I love it always. I mean, he's not doing a whole lot that I'm aware of. Um, he has some indie films. Yeah. I don't really know. The last, the last major studio film that I remember him being in is Molly's Game. Ah, uh, yes. Let's see, what else do we have? Uh, Gloria Bell. Uh-huh. I did not see Gloria Bell. Um, 2017. He's got Person to Person. Lemon. The uh-huh. Lego Batman movie. Uh-huh. How to Be a Latin Lover and Molly's Game. Oh, he is in Latin Lover. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's, but, I mean, that that even all of that, like, none of those are, like, Michael Sarah projects. Um, they're all he's. Yeah, I wonder. We don't have a Michael Sarah project until after this film. We don't. This is like, the end we, of him. 
it kind of is. Like, he kind of blew up and had his moment in the 2000s, and then the 2010s came along, and they're like, we're, we're good, Michael. We're good. I mean, like, he's, okay. he, he's still working in TV and things, and that, I mean, I think that he's just doing whatever he wants to do. I mean, he's got a lot of, I mean, he's got television money from Arrested Development. Like, there's at least three seasons of that. So, I mean, he's probably doing pretty okay. He was doing some theater in 2018. He's fine. Yeah. I'm not worried about his career or anything. I mean. He should be. <laughs> oh. It's going to come for you. <laughs> Michael, Sarah, we're in quarantine. You can't come for me. He was nominated for a Tony. When? 2018 for Lobby Hero. Oh, yeah. Best featured actor in a play. He was probably at the Tonys, and I was probably like, huh, good for you. And that's the last I remember of that. Wow. Wow. There you go. Is, uh, is Brie Evans. Larson... Uh, oh, go ahead. Chris Evans was also in the production. <laughs> They were like, we couldn't get enough of each other. Let's let's be in a play. <laughs> oh, what did you ask about Brie Larson? I was going to say, is Brie Larson the only Academy Award winner in this movie? Well, I mean, there's future Kieran Culkin. Yes, yeah, we got to get Kieran his role. Why uh, didn't Kieran get one for this? I mean, come on. Kieran is great. He's, oh, oh man, I love Wallace. Wallace is the best character. <laughs> Wallace is the character who is probably the most fair to Scott. Uh -huh. He tells it like it is, but he also supports him when he needs it. His sister's also pretty good. However, his sister yeah. has like three scenes. Yes. All in, sp all in split screen. Yeah. Are you telling me that Brandon Roth doesn't have an Oscar? Brandon Roth does not have an Oscar. No. What about Bill Hader? <laughs> no, no, not Tom Jane either. Tom Jane's in this film? Tom Jane is one of the vegan police. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the one that's like milk and eggs. Yep, I yep, Brie Larson's the only one. Who would have thought that she would be the one to get in? To be the Oscar winner. She's not the only nominee of this film, but I think she's the only winner. Who was not who else has been nominated? Does Michael Sarah okay. have a nom? Michael Sarah does not have a nom. Um do you want do you want to play do you want to play a guessing game with it or do you just want me to tell you? Anna Kendrick doesn't. Anna Kendrick, she is the one. What does she have an Oscar nom in? Oh, up in the air. Up in the air. It's before this. That bland film. <laughs> Yeah, but it gets Anna Kendrick an Oscar nomination, so it's 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 got a little bit of okayness. Anna Kendrick, another person who I just I want to be in better films. Just I just want her to go back to doing something that's not a dumb comedy. I'm content with where she is. <laughs> it's easy for me to avoid her at that point. No, I like Anna Kendrick. I found her first when she was on Broadway and as, a, as like a Broadway person. And then her film career has just been a little bit sadder. I've never had like the Anna Kendrick movie that I'm like, ah, I just love this. 
I, I, I maybe agree with the sentence that as a whole movie, uh, I like her presence in a movie. Which um, one? What was that? Which one? Oh, like in well, I like, any? Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, I definitely, yeah. There are very few movies, even bad movies, in which I think Anna Kendrick doesn't, like, at least hold her own. Um, though I will say one of my least favorite movies is a movie with her and, um, what is his name? He, I will look it up here. Um, I think it's called Apocalypse. I'm just going to look it up. It is called a Rapture Palooza. It's with her and, uh. Craig Robinson. That was one of my least favorite movies. That was not good. Yeah, but your favorite movie is Into the Woods, so she made it up. Hey, there you go. She's pretty good in Into the Woods. Um, I do like her a lot in A Simple Favor. Um, That's probably true. Into the Woods is probably the one that I find her the, like, it's probably my favorite performance of her. But that's yeah. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that movie, indeed. Oh, poor Christine Baranski. She needs better help. She needs a better agent, apparently. Apparently this whole TV show that she's in that no one has access to is good. Yeah. Um, Anne was looking at a list of the like 50 best, best shows of the 2010s and the good, the good liar, the good lie? Fight. fight. The good fight um, is, is on there. <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently we all got to get CBS All Access to support Christine Baranski. Oh. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I think that those might be my thoughts on good old Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, it's an enjoyable good time by one of my favorite filmmakers. So I would definitely highly recommend going to watch Scott Pilgrim. I haven't seen all of his films. Oh no. Which which ones one or ones are you missing? There's only four. Or five. Five. There's five. I'm missing the alien one. Ah. Um, I like that one. It's definitely I think my least favorite of the Coronado trilogy, but like it's still good. Hmm. Maybe. He hasn't he has a new one coming out or what that was supposed to come out this year. Oh no, it's not coming out, Josh. Yeah. That's why I said was supposed to. Was it Ant-Man 3? No, it's <laughs> No, it was not Ant-Man 3. <laughs> they brought him back finally. It's called Last Night in Soho and it's starring Thomas and McKenzie, Anna Taylor-Joy and Matt Smith. Ugh. And it's uh, it's about a young girl in a in the fashion industry who gets caught up in a mystery in the 1960s London. Yeah, it's a psychological horror film. I haven't seen him do horror since yeah. Dawn of the Shaun of the Dead. So yeah, who knows? So it'll be interesting. I'm. What I, I mean, he, it sure sounds like the neon demon. Does it? Yeah. 
I don't know much about the Neon Demon, so... Keanu Reeves is in it. That's what I know. And that, that it's a Nicholas Weiningreffen film? Mm-hmm. With oh. Elle Fanning. Um, well, there you go. I think if you watch um, At World's End, if you enjoy Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, it is an equally good time. So he does for what he does with horror and action, he does for sci-fi. What do you think of the music in this? In Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. I love it. It's great. I listen to the, I've listened to the soundtrack quite a bit, uh, especially when it first came out. There's lots of Beck on it. There is. There is lots of Beck on it. Though so this is how I discovered it. I think they're called the Black Keys. They're a good mm-hmm. band. They're, they're on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only Beck song that I recognize from it, and I'm sure there's a ton everywhere, is Ramona. Yeah, but he wrote the he wrote the 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 band songs. Oh, okay. Like that's why they all sound like Beck songs. <laughs> who do you know who performs them? No, but all I right. just I know that he wrote them. Right. Yeah. Which you're like, oh yeah, truck, truck, truck. That. <laughs> you know, I think. I think my favorite lyrics of his are the ones for Launchpad McClack. They just, they really hit me right here. They're just so beautiful. Best original yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, why was it? No best original songs from this movie. This movie got no love. This movie was a, was, I wouldn't say it was a huge flop, but this movie flopped when it came out. Um, and I think it's only received Second Life because of, millennials and gen z's who find this movie and like it and want to talk about the artistic value of it mm-hmm. um i think for like young cinephiles or you know like under 30 or under 40 cinephiles this is the movie they find but uh, the or the critics of the time in particular did not love this movie well i think that edgar wright his continuing career also is what helps it yeah um stand out because it's like oh this it'll it'll always be a place in his filmography so if he continues to churn out movies that are good this this film will always still be in the conversation just because his name is also part of it is this his first or is this his blank check or is this his like studio project that he does to get his blank check I would say that it's kind of a blank check. The budget on this film is eighty-five million, so it's uh-huh. not—it's not a huge like you can do whatever you want. Which maybe it was you can do whatever you want, but he just didn't need that much. Um, right. But I think in ways yes and no. I think that two thousand ten was the right time for something like this to come out. Maybe if this had come out before, like to, maybe like 2007, 2008, that would feel mm-hmm. more like a blank check. But this kind of feels like it's in line with irreverent humor and we're getting into comic book things. And yeah. I, this feels right for the course. I, I agree with that a lot. I think the only reason why I was thinking that it might be is just because um, it where it comes in his career. Because I guess if I'm looking at his career, Baby Driver, I feel, is more... I don't know how much the budget on Baby Driver is, but that one feels more like almost blank checky in the sense of, like, it's an original property. 
that they that they give a summer release to and then somehow does really well um but like the coronado trilogy itself is all kind of like little they're they're smaller budgeted films um and so it's it, his career i just don't know if it fits into the, that that blank check format but i was like he'd be an interesting filmmaker to talk about for certain he'd be a quick one he would um baby driver's budget was 34 million so it's less yeah mm-hmm. i but would i would Im- go ahead a baby driver feels more like a blank check though it does <sighs> yeah um, I would imagine that Scott Pilgrim is his highest budgeted film then because uh, The World's End, I, I imagine, is pretty low budget as well. Yeah. All right. Do you want to... Well, let's see. Well, we can't look... Oh, here. Do you want to look at the opening weekend? Can you do the opening weekend? Ooh, this this might with some hints. I certainly can. Let let, let me see. Okay. So it comes um, out. It comes out August thirteenth, two thousand ten. So, so we're at the end of summer, two thousand ten. Mhm. Um. So we have one film that came out like. Three to four weeks before comes out by mm-hmm. a filmmaker that you find is, I don't know if pretentious is the word, but I think you think he's pretentious. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I think he's British, but he's not. Is it a Ridley Scott film? Nope. Okay. Who's the, who's the other Ridley Scott are you, other you, Ridley Scott. You have more respect for this director than Ridley Scott because I think you like okay. half of his films. Is it Nolan? Is it this is a Nolan, Nolan film? It's a Nolan. Oh. Nolan in 2010 is. Is this a. Oh, this is Inception. From. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been out for 29 days. Yeah, and no. Is it still number one? It's number five. Okay. All right. Number four is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Number three. Hmm. Uh, number three is a film that okay. I think is, uh, it's a comedy. It's a comedy on a genre of films that we don't get as often anymore. It was more of an 80s and 90s brand of crime comedy. Is this 30 minutes or less? Nope. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, a, the, it's a very specific genre where okay. um, it's got two, it's got one comedian and then one straight lace kind of guy who will go on to continue to work with each other in another franchise. Hmm. Is it, a, is it a cop film? It is a buddy cop film. It may take place in Boston. Is it the other guys? It is the other guys. Okay. I think the other guys takes place in New York, but your uh. Boston hint, your Boston <laughs> hint was so good because it got me to Wahlberg. So great. And then they go on to work together again in Daddy's home. Yes. 
All right. And of course, Daddy's Home too. All right. This next one is based on a book. Uh, this this book feels like a very I'm a privileged person, so this is how I deal with grief book. I've in movie I've never seen it. Okay. Uh, I, it it's about is traveling. This, is this a Julia Roberts film? Yep. Is this, oh gosh, what is the name of that movie? It's like Eat, Pray, Love? Yep. Hey, there we go. Okay, awesome. But I mean, like, without ever having seen that, you're definitely like, oh, this is how rich people can Yeah, absolutely. This be is how sad. rich people mourn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, number one. Number one is a... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> number one is a movie? I wanted to see if it would tell... I don't like Box Office Mojo. It won't even tell me who directed it. I want to say it's directed by a person who is usually an actor. Okay. I'm checking to make sure. Um, it's... Oh, it is direct. Okay, yeah. So it's directed by a person who's usually an actor. Um, this one... It feels Is like it a Ben Affleck movie. No, okay. The, the even less of a director actor. Okay. This film feels like something that it starts a trend that is kind of annoying now. Um, in a way, it a bad action film. <laughs> oh. Is this is it is this the the Expendables? It's the Expendables. Yeah, there it is. And I I because I feel like this is one of the ones that starts with we're gonna let people play their old roles. Even, I mean, like he, they're not playing any of their old roles, but it feels like they sure are. Yes, they're playing off their old um, types for certain. Yeah. Huh. Well, awesome. Well, that was a good game. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, uh, this has been a good time. I've enjoyed it. I I'm, I'm hope you enjoy listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at Friend of a Friend Podcast at Squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. And uh, that helps us get more listeners. Um, you can find us on Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Darby ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. Kylie. Quack, 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 quack. quack, quack. quack.